This morning's first reading is from Psalm 110, found on some pew Bibles on page 164. Psalm 110 of David, a psalm. The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. You will rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle, array in holy majesty from the womb of the dawn, you will receive the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn, and you will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping up the dead, and crush the rules of the whole earth. He will drink from a brook beside the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. It's taken from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 45, uh, which can be found on page 1070 of this pew Bible. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One... So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Thank you very much, uh, April, for reading God's word to us this morning. We are going to look at this passage, so please may I encourage you to keep your Bibles open to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. We're going to focus our thoughts um, uh, on this passage, but particularly on verse 38, which is our text for this morning. So let, let me pray as we look at God's word today. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for this wonderful story that we read in the Gospel of Luke. We thank you for its account, its accuracy, Lord, and the amazing message that we see that comes through this passage today. Lord, as we focus our hearts and minds this Christmas season about the Christ child,
We pray that today you will draw us closer to yourself. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, friends, today I want to talk to you on the topic, the anticipation of Christmas. I don't know whether you've done your Christmas shopping as yet. Maybe you haven't. How many of you have actually done it? And I don't see some hands. Anyone done your Christmas shopping as yet? No one? I see a few hands up there. That's good. Well, I haven't done much. Really, I haven't. I've just gone and looked around. I've had not much time to go and I plan to do so because I don't want to be caught out on the 24th, which has happened to me in the past, where I run to the shops and try and do my last minute shopping, not for myself, but for others in my family. I don't want to get caught this time. I hope I'll be able to do it well in advance. But then again, Christmas comes once a year, as someone said, and so we need to enjoy this period of time. Well, perhaps it is. But what does really Christmas mean to us? As we anticipate the big day, the 25th of December, I was listening to a radio program the other day. I'm kind of offended when people say, oh, we are in the silly season. Have you heard that? Have you heard that? Maybe. I listen to Fox as well, okay? So, if you listen to Fox uh, FM channels, you probably heard that being said. No, we are in the silly season. I want to call back and say, no, we are not in the silly season. We are in one of the best seasons, which brings us to one of the most amazing messages that the world has ever heard. The coming of God into this world. Well, let me take you to um, this, this picture. I'm sure we know this I'm sure we know this couple very well, right? Well, we may not know them very well, but we've at least seen and heard of them. You know that, William and Kate. And they were blessed with a baby boy, George Alexander. Baby to Prince William and Kate. It was one of the, it was one of the most anticipated events in the world. The media was out there. People were lined up on the streets of London in front of the hospital. Everyone was waiting. All the magazines were full of all kinds of explanations. What will the baby be? Will it be a girl? Will it be a boy? If it's a boy, what's going to be the name? What's the baby going to wear? What is Kate going to wear? Anyway, all of those kind of things. And our media was out there in, in, in full force. The paparazzi and everyone else waiting to get a glimpse of this baby. And excitement was in the air. Kate was pregnant, it hit the world scene. And so should it be for William and for Kate, after all, they are royals. But this morning, friends, let's journey together to an announcement, to the announcement of the birth of another baby. The announcement of this event that has had the most impact on the world was made to an audience not of millions. It wasn't made to an audience of millions, but it was made to an audience of one. An audience of one. And this announcement came straight from heaven. And this announcement is called the Annunciation from the Latin word which means announcement. Because this announcement would change the world. It is an announcement that came from heaven to earth. Spectacular and amazing. This was God's announcement to the world. This was the big news. 
Never will there be any big news than this until Jesus returns. And I wonder if this event took place today, in 2013, how would the media report it? Will the media camp out, perhaps at Nazareth? Would they know where this place was really? Would they go? Would they be concerned? Would there be excitement? Would the magazines be writing all kinds of things about the expectancy of this baby? Or would it be received with skepticism? I wonder. I wonder what would be the case. Well, Luke gives us the account of what took place in the Gospel of Luke. It is commonly accepted that both Luke and Acts have a single author. Let me just give you some background to, to Luke for a moment. Luke and Acts may have been written around AD 63. The style and the vocabulary are similar in both books. Both the Gospel of Luke and Acts are dedicated to the most excellent Theophilus. Although the author never names himself, several passages using the pronoun we would suggest that the author was a companion of, of Paul and some of his travels. And among the persons named in the letters, Paul wrote from Rome, where we have the, the, the word we, the most likely candidate was Luke. And in agreement with tradition, unanimously it is agreed and it ascribes the book to Luke. Now, nothing is certain uh, is, is known about Luke other than what we can glean from his two books, Acts and this Gospel. According to tradition, he came from Antioch and he was a physician, a doctor. So we can call him Dr. Luke. And that seems to be borne out with the way he writes with great care and with precision and he investigates everything. In Luke chapter 1, if you have your Bibles open, you would see that as the, 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 the gospel starts. It begins like this. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from whom, from, from the first, sorry, of those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So here is Luke. Luke the physician. He investigates, he analyzes things, and he then writes. He te the, the text would tell us that he did a number of things, maybe three things. First, it states clearly that the writer of this gospel interviewed eyewitnesses to the life of Jesus. Secondly, he consulted the narratives that were already written about Jesus. He would perhaps be speaking definitely of Matthew and Mark. Thirdly, he gives us the reason why he wrote it. He wants us to be taught accurately so that by his investigation and his interviewing, we will be brought face to face with Jesus the Messiah. So Dr. Luke compiled all of these things and he has put it together in order to give an account of what Jesus began to do to teach and his life. And so this is what we see in this gospel. It's an amazing gospel. In fact, this gospel is focused on the Messiah. And Luke gives us expressions. He gives us expressions of joy. 
It's out there in the letter. And it is only this gospel, the gospel of Luke, that includes the magnificent songs of joy that accompany the birth of Jesus. So, we sing, don't we? Do you like singing carols? Yeah. We come to church and what do we do? we got musicians leading us and we, we sing. I want us to sing. We, we should be singing because there is a note of joy. The Bible is filled with songs. And the Gospel of Luke, in chapters 1 and 2, we have four songs mentioned there. We have Mary's song. We have Zechariah's song. We have the angels coming from heaven and singing, the heavenly host in chapter 2. And then we have another song. Your guess. Whose song is that? Simeon's song. We got four songs there, just in two chapters. And I was reading these songs this past week in my office, quietly seated there, opening up my window and looking outside. And I was reading through these songs. And it just moved me so much to just get up out of my chair and say, Lord, thank you. This is amazing stuff. It causes my heart to be warm, to see the depth of your grace expressed in song. Wonderful. I want to encourage you to, to read those songs. It will prepare us better for Christmas. And so this morning, I just want to focus on one verse. And that is this one. I am the Lord's servant. Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Mary answered, May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. That's it. Well, as we look at this text, I want to address two things this morning. What did the angel tell Mary? What was it? Chapter 126b. May your word to me be fulfilled. I mean, that's, we see that coming out of Mary. What was Mary's response to all of this? Well, what did the angel tell Mary? We see what the angel told her in chapter 126 to verse 38. If you keep your Bibles uh, open to that, you can see it. I want to highlight what he actually said. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, verse 26, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So it's the sixth month. That is, six months from the time that Elizabeth conceived the forerunner, John, the one we know as John the Baptist, God sent an angel with an announcement to a young teenager by the name of Mary. Now, it is agreed by many scholars and many com commentators that Mary would have been around, uh, well, have a guess, uh, 13 to 14 maybe, Probably stretching to 15, between 13 to 15 years old. Maybe probably 14. A 14-year-old teenager. Now, we have 14, 15-year-old girls here, don't we, this morning? Have a think about that for a moment. Just think about that. You see, an angel comes to this girl, this teenage girl, and he comes, and he comes to Galilee. Galilee was the most northerly of the three provinces of Palestine. Galilee in the north, Samaria in the middle, and then we had Judea in the south. And the province of Galilee was approximately 70 kilometers from the north to south. 
and about 50 kilometers east to west. It's a small place. It was populated by Jews with a mixed heritage. It was called Galilee of the Gentiles or Galilee to the nations. And now Mary was from a town called... What's the name of the town? Come on. You know it. <laughs> it's Nazareth. Right? The town is Nazareth. A town in a lower Galilee area, approximately 30 kilometers or so east of, uh, of the Sea of Galilee. And God sent the angel Gabriel to this town of Nazareth in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. God sent the angel. He did not just arrive on earth. He was sent by God with a message and with a mission. And it is quite possible because we have been so familiar with the Christmas story that we can read about the visit of the angel and miss the wonder of this moment in history. A most amazing moment in history, in world history. Let us never miss this point from heaven to earth and that connection. You see, God is concerned with what happens on earth, right? Do you think that God has detached himself from this world? <laughs> I don't think so. He has not. Definitely not. He has not created this world and left it for us to manage it. He is intimately involved with this world. And so we must not miss that point. And the angel Gabriel was sent by God to visit Mary, the teenager, with a message. And Mary saw this angel. His name is Gabriel, which means Mighty one of God, or God is mighty, is mentioned four times in the Bible, and each time bearing momentous messages of uh, hope. He's mentioned, for example, in the book of Daniel, Daniel's vision of the ram and the goat in chapter 8. He interpreted Daniel's vision of the 70 weeks in chapter 9. In the Gospel of Luke, he's seen twice here. He appears to Zechariah, that is, the, with the announcement about Elizabeth. And then in chapter 126, he's back again with Mary, four times. Now, think about this, Nazareth. Well, Nazareth was a non-place. Nazareth was a town so insignificant, it is not even mentioned in all of the Old Testament. It was not mentioned in the Jewish Talmud. It was not mentioned by the Jewish historian Josephus, who names over 200 cities in Galilee. By consensus, it was not much of a place, Nazareth. I remember when we were posted to a place called Nurat. <laughs> Someone asked me, where on earth is Nurat? And whenever I spoke about Nurat, I, well, I need to pronounce it properly as well. I think it's pronounced Nurat. Anyway, it doesn't matter. They asked me, where on earth is Nurat? It's somewhere close to Warnable. And the moment I said it's close to Warnable, people recognized it. But when I said it was Nurat, by the way, Nurat actually has been taken, I think, out of the, the postcode or the map now in, in, in Victoria. <laughs> Sad to say that, but that's what happened. Right. See, who would think about Nurat? Well, who would think about Nazareth? It was a non-place. It was a town so insignificant that it's not even mentioned. In fact, uh, this is what Nathaniel said. Philip found Nathaniel in, in John chapter 1 and told him, We have found the one from Moses. Found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. 
verse 46. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Can anything good come from Nazareth? You see, you can understand why he said this about Nazareth, because it was a shoddy and corrupt place. In his eyes, Nazareth, though an insignificant little town, meant nothing to Nathaniel. But in God's eyes, it meant a lot. The angels skipped all the big towns and entered the lowly home of Mary. You see, there is a message in this, friends. Our God is concerned about the insignificant in this world. He is not the pomp and conscious God, but he is concerned about the insignificance, the people who are really struggling, the real, the people who are humble, those who are going through the challenges, the difficulties, the lowly, and the kind of people that God is interested in. In fact, it's just everyone else. But there's a message that comes out here. That this God is willing to identify himself with the lowly in this world. People like me. People perhaps like you. See, the Bible says that Gabriel went to a virgin pledged to be married. Literally, this means... To Mary, who was literally having been betrothed to a man. It means she was promised in marriage to be formally married later on. It usually began a year before the wedding. This was as binding as marriage. It required a divorce to end uh, this kind of an arrangement. And so it is much, with, with much anticipation that the angel comes in and meets Mary and communicates this message. Now, I looked at the text, and I asked myself the question, what about Mary's parents? Where are they? (laughs) A 14-year-old girl, where are the parents? No mention. No mention of her parents. But she was betrothed to be married to Joseph, who was of the house of David. was of the royal line, a descendant of the tribe of Judah. And the angel delivered the most spectacular, the most astounding, and the most significant birth announcement ever proclaimed in the world. This is what the angel said. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Rejoice. That's what the word greetings there means. It means rejoice, Mary. You are highly favored. Martin Luther said this about Mary. Oh, Mary, you are blessed. You have a gracious God. No woman has ever lived on earth to whom God has shown such grace. You are the crown of them all. What a statement about this young teenager. You have found favor. God has chosen you. And then the angel goes on. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. Now I'm not going to unpack all of these things this morning. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. 
He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And then, and then, comes a crucial question from Mary to the angel. How will this be? How will this be? Have you thought about that for a moment? It's a loaded question, isn't it? How will this be? That's right. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's the answer that the scriptures gives. What abundant grace to be chosen to be the mother of the Messiah and honor that is above even that of Eve. And thousands of young Jewish women were familiar, no doubt, with a prophecy. A prophecy that was mentioned somewhere. An Old Testament prophet, anybody. It's in the book of Isaiah. (laughs) You will know that. Isaiah chapter, come on, anyone. You won't get a chocolate from me after service. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 7, 14. Alright? If you answered, you perhaps would have got a mentos from me. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. We'll call him Emmanuel. You see, this is it. How will it be? Mary, God is going to do something in you. How will this be? And how was, what was Mary's response to this, my dear friends? In 138 we see this. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. May your word to be, be, me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. How did Mary respond? I am the Lord's servant. You see, Mary could have responded like this. She could have responded to Gabriel with unbelief. There must be some logical explanation for this, she would have said. This must have been just a dream. I've just woken up from a dream. Have you ever woken up from a dream? It's been so real. Last morning, it actually happened to me, I was in bed. I got up at about 6 o'clock in the morning. I jumped out of bed. I thought, wow, I need to get to my office. I need to look through my sermon because it's Sunday. And then it dawned on me. It was so real. I actually got up. I ran out of the bed. Then he told me, actually, no, it's not Sunday. It's Saturday. I can go back to bed. Our dreams can be so real and perhaps, perhaps Mary thought, I've woken up from a dream. Or she could have responded with fear and worry. She could have panicked. What about the consequences? 13, 14 year old girl found pregnant. What are my parents going to say to me? How is Joseph going to understand this? How, how, how is this guy that I'm supposed to marry understand me? And what am I going to say to him? Oh, by the way, Joseph, let's go out for a cup of tea. I have a conversation with you. I'm pregnant. That that won't go down too well, would it? What will the people say? The talk around the town. Oh, Mary is pregnant. The stigma with that. The pressure was on her. Or she could have responded with pride. She could have said, Gabriel, you know, tell God thanks, but no thanks. 
I don't need him and I'm sure I don't need to spend nine months carrying someone else's child. I'm not interested in that position. I'm not going to let my reputation be destroyed. I'm doing okay on my own. Thank you, but no thanks. Instead, this young girl of 14 years old, or maybe 13, said this. I am the servant of the Lord. What a, what a, what a wonderful response. The slave of the Lord. You could translate it this way. Behold the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. You see, having given the message to her and responding to her questions, the angel Gabriel left. I want to say something else, friends, this morning. We see something of the character of Mary, don't we? We have no mention of her parents. What we see here is meekness. What we see here in this young teenage girl is humility. What we see here is faith. Certainly she could, she could see that this was a tough road ahead. She could see the blessing that would come from it. Yet it would have been a mixed blessing for a young girl. A Jewish maiden to be with child will be considered by others to be defiled and impure. To have entered into an intimate relationship with a man to, to whom she was not married would leave a stigma. Surely this would be a great trial. She knew her story would be questioned. Think about her emotions. Those of us who are parents here. Have you observed the emotions of your daughters? <laughs> I'm a father of two girls. I've observed their emotions when they were 14, 13 15 men. Right? They're all over the place. I thank the Lord for my wife. She would sit there and have cups of coffee with them. Talk. And I'm thinking, what am I supposed to do? And the girls and their emotions. Think about, it's going all over the place at that particular age. Think about the hormonal changes that's taking place in her body. We, we, we don't kind of think about these things, do we? When we look at Mary. The challenges of pregnancy. Think about the tears. Who would have supported her story? Who would have supported her throughout the pregnancy? A pregnancy that she did not bring about by having sex with Joseph. Notice her response. I am the Lord's servant. What a testimony. And when I was reading this text, and I thought to myself, Lord, who am I? Who am I? Look at this lady, look at this girl. She's saying to the Lord, Lord, I am your servant. I am the Lord's servant. What a testimony. It's one thing, friends, to profess faith in Christ. It is one thing to be able to stand in front of a congregation and declare about you loving Jesus and everything else. We've heard many a testimonies from this place. What about a testimony like this? I am the Lord's servant. Use me. You see, what we see in her is stability, an emotional and spiritual stability. We see a spiritual sensitivity open to the leading of the Lord. We see a security, that is, she is secure in God's promises to her. Your word, let it stand. She was not shallow. 
She was reflective. She was meditative. I was discussing this, this, this talk with, with Rose just the other day. And I said to her, what an amazing story this is. I was discussing this whole, well, she's heard the sermon already because I spoke to her about it. And we were both sitting there and thinking, what an amazing girl this has been, this girl would have been. And God's hand upon her life. You see, Mary could have said to Gabriel, thanks, I'm not interested. No. Instead, she reflected on what Gabriel said to her and what that message meant for her and what it required from her. She submitted herself to her Lord. I am the Lord's servant. And Luke, the writer of this gospel, makes it clear that he sees in Mary an example of belief and discipleship. We have a lesson from a young teenage girl who took God seriously. We don't worship Mary. We don't. But there is no doubt that she was blessed by God. We don't worship Mary, but we worship the child she bore. Jesus, the Son of God, that he would come to be born in humble circumstances. He humbled himself as the sinless Savior to pay the ultimate price for my sin and for yours. I want to ask you this morning a question. As we close, a couple of questions in fact. Do you know him? Don't worry for a moment about the person seated next to you. You can do that afterwards. A direct question to you comes to me as well. Do you know Jesus? Do you know this child? You see, the anticipation of Christmas should lead us to ponder the things that really matter. Perhaps even to be troubled as Mary was. To be serious before the Lord. To submit our lives to Him. And my question, my second one to you is this. Is your life submitted to Jesus? And can you say this morning, Lord Jesus, I am yours. Can you? If you can, then you can sing as Mary did. Because I am the Lord's. Friends, this is the message. This is the joy of Christmas. As I was thinking, as we, we have all of these things around us, the joy of Christmas is I am yours. I am yours forever. I pray this morning that you will think about it. And that you will leave this place saying, Lord, I am yours. Do with my life what you would please. So that I will live the rest of my life. And 2014 is coming around soon, right? And the years ahead. I am yours and you are mine forever. What a blessing. May the joy of this Christmas season... Refresh our hearts. Now we will rejoice in this great Savior. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what we've seen this morning. We marvel at Mary's faith, her life. But most of all this morning, 
We marvel at the amazing gift of your son Jesus. To be born in this world without sin. Gave his life for us that we might live. Help us, Lord, this morning to leave this place saying, Lord, I am yours. I believe in you, Jesus. Help me to repent of my sins and turn to Christ, the Christ child, the King, the returning judge, the eternal God who became flesh. In his name we pray. Amen.